Hello again, everyone. Thank you for checking out another episode of Talking Smack. Sorry we have been away for a few weeks. Uh, life just kind of got in the way. And, you know, podcasting, as far as much fun as we have, it is not what brings in the money for us. So there's not much we can do about what happens. Oh, my dog's barking again. For those of you that listened to the last episode, I apologize that Bonnie needs to be heard again. She does not like not having attention given to her. Uh, I am your host, Josh Scar, and joining me again this week is Alex. Alex, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Excited to be back. Have some interesting things to talk about, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, before we get started on our subjects today, I wanted to give big shout-outs to the following podcast for just helping us get a little bit bigger following on social media. Uh, you can follow us on social media at Talking Smack on Twitter, and we're also on Facebook. Uh, Smack is spelled S-M-A-C, no K, because we're talking superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. And my God, my dog, she is going crazy. So these podcasts, first off, we want to give a big shout out to For Real. They played a big part in getting us amped up to come back and get us going. I did a crossover episode with them. Uh, we, t- we talked about Batman and Bill. It's a really good documentary about the guy who helped create actually create batman no on 15 they're kind of the people that helped for real so they're kind of like our godfather and helping us come back Unsheft, they're super cool dudes i can't wait to do a crossover with them that's coming up soon red dove really cool conversations really important conversations i look forward to their podcast every week unequal sequel uh haven't listened to you yet but your online presence has been really important to me and to us here Lords of Swine, you dudes are super cool. Can't wait to do more with you as well. And talking literature, love what you guys do too. You ladies, I apologize if you prefer ladies instead of guys. Uh, it's a really fun podcast. I can't wait to hear more from that one as well. Thank you to all those podcasts. Please follow them on social media. We're following them so you can find them if you follow us. And we talk to them a lot, so I'm sure you'll see us conversing with them. And moving on into our main portion of the podcast... We're going to do a couple new sequences, or sequences, uh, segments. That's the word I'm looking for. We're going to start off with a new sequence, sequence. Good Lord, I'm stuck on sequences. Segment. Going to start with... (laughs) Segment. Segment. We're going to do this. uh, We got two new segments. We got Scar Wars. That's Scar Wars, my last name, not not a, another major Disney-owned property. And Lasden's Lashes. Lasden is Alex. Uh, we're going to start with Scar Wars, and this is just basically a moment for us to vent and get something off our chest that's going on in entertainment. Get it out there. If it turns into a conversation, cool. If you want to talk to us about it on social media or email us, you can do that too. But I'm going to start with Scar Wars to christen this whole thing off it kind of started with the last episode with my dc titans rant but now we've officially named it so here we go now we're cueing the theme music uh we have the john william music <laughs> on cue so we can immediately pull down from any presence online right <laughs> i actually really wanted to uh put in a sting where it's just the very end of it of duel of the face <laughs> but i don't know how to do that yet i gotta figure that out and plus, I need to figure something out for Lasden and Lashes. I was thinking about just doing like a whip, like. Whoosh. Okay, we'll do the last four stinger for um, the Duel of Fates, and then I will grab Indiana's whip crack. <laughs> would this be the inaugural Star Wars, Scar Wars? I even did it to myself now. Or would this be the second ever Scar Wars? I don't inaugural. know. Inaugural. Okay, we'll say it's the inaugural since it's officially got a segment name. Let me get a drink of water here real quick. All right. Mainstream media. I'm talking to you, IGN, and Rotten Tomatoes specifically. Stop it. Stop it now. 
I know everyone's looking forward to Spider-Man No Way Home. I know everyone is investigating every frame of the every trailer that will drop and every TV spot that'll come out. Willem Dafoe is the guy without the mask on the glider. No, there's no super secret special hidden Spider-Man. Everyone knows Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to be in this movie. It's the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Stop it. Clickbait articles, both from Rotten Tomatoes and IGN after the second trailer dropped, where they were like, is this a new goblin? Who's the guy on the glider? It's Willem Dafoe. It's, or I should say, it is a CGI Willem Dafoe in an upgraded armor. That's all it is. Stop it. Stop trying to like... Get extra clicks because all these other quote-unquote leakers and insiders are tweeting out bullshit. Do your jobs as journalists. Report on what we have and what we know. If you want to do speculation, make sure you name it an editorial. Or at least make sure you put speculation in the headline. Don't put, is that a new goblin? Is that a new character? Who is it? Is it Harry? It's not Harry. If it was Harry, it would be on a snowboard, not on a glider. Stop it. Scar Wars over. Yes, but have you seen the Russian cut, which has an extra quarter of a frame that may or may not suggest that we will get Miles Morales in this as well? Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. Don't need some rando Reddit person listening to this podcast and being like, oh my God, did they, did they find it? And then just not even bothering to look up that you put something out there that's not real. What are you talking about? I have, I have inroads in places. Um, (laughs) There was a translation through a third party service while somebody was once on a Zoom that suggests that Paul Giamatti is in fact the new goblin. Breaking news. There it is. (laughs) Uh, stop it. No. <laughs> Scar Wars is over. Scar Wars is over for this Fine. week. Last and Lashes, go. So this is more of a disappointment than anything. Neil Patrick Harris is executive producing and starring in a new Netflix series. It's a sitcom called Uncoupled in which he, he uh, um, his marriage of 17 years is dissolving and he as a gay man in his 40s must navigate single life while dealing with his ex while living in new york city and going back on the market now that's not the disappointing part that sounds fun i love neil patrick harris the disappointing part is that an actress was sent a script her name is Maris, and it was for a female minority housekeeper who's of some type of hispanic or latin descent the role was written as um, her first sentence is quote in broken English in hysterics, and it's her showing up at their uh, at the place she's been cleaning forever and calling Neil Patrick Harris's character to let him know we've been robbed. I'm not gonna. She actually, if you look up the articles, she actually says what the what it is. I'm not gonna repair it. A hor- uh, basically a racist stereotype of the broken English uh, Latin Hispanic descent housekeeper, <laughs> but in broken English, claiming that oh my gosh, we've been robbed. That's the disappointing part, that in 2021, a new sitcom thinks it is appropriate and fair to have written and then sent out scripts to minority actors for a horrific stereotype like that. And she spoke out in the press about it. You know, she was her agent sent her the script. She uh, she spoke out in the press about it, like how offensive it was. Her agent even said this is offensive, but hey, you want you, you, you want to get paid well kind of thing. Netflix's response is the part that is even more disappointing. Their response is, we were, uh, let me see, what is their exact quote? We apologize for any discomfort. The character has been removed. That is not the appropriate response. The appropriate response is, 
we have accepted the feedback. We are not, we will work with the actress to make this an empowered, strong role. Instead, they take a role, a starring role for a minority and female, uh, female actor, and they immediately just make it vanish into thin air. It's gone. There's not on my role. That's been cut away. They dumped it. They got rid of it. There's not even a role to be, be for somebody anymore to have some kind of representation. The role as they had it is horrible representation. It is, der- it is derogatory. It is offensive. It is a caricature that, it should, that should have been left behind 20 years ago. God knows even further back than that. But that they just make the role vanish. So it's not even that opportunity is the part that I hate. They could have done something more interesting, like accepted, accepted the feedback and gone like, wow, okay, I'm sorry. I don't know how we got, I don't know how this got out. Focus testing. I don't know how this even was even, we, we were sorry that these, these roles were even written this way. Let's work with you to make this different, make this more interesting, make this empowering for you. Yes, you are a minority housekeeper, but is it, do you own your own business? Is this something you want to do? Is this something, do we discover about the character that they have been doing this their entire life to better their family? They are the breadwinners of their family and they have this successful, look at, this is a super old reference, but the Jefferson, the Jeffersons, they owned a bunch of laundromats and then they made it, you know, (laughs) to the place in the sky. Owning laundromats is not like super exciting, but you can do well in it. They could have done something with a role. Instead, they just made it go away. And that is what is so disappointing. That there's already very few roles for Hispanic and Latin descent, uh, Latin heritage actors out there. Because someone spoke up and went, you guys did this a bit wrong, horribly wrong. They just scuttle it and walk away and, and went, well, we did the right thing. We got rid of everything. We don't need that, that representation. And we're moving on. That's basically the end of my rant. Is I just, they could have done something interesting. They could have done something empowering, and they decided to just nuke it and just walk away. Yeah, you and I talked about this a little bit when you had brought it up to me, and it it really sounds to me like a producer or an executive at the studio that's producing this show went, we already have a gay lead. Why do we need more representation? And so they just scrapped the role instead of like you're suggesting they should have fixed it to keep the character because the character was clearly meant to have some kind of role. And instead they just went, scrap it. More representation is good. Is good. If that is their thinking that like we have, listen, we're giving a, uh, we're giving an LGBTQ member a role. That's all the representation we need. That is an utter failure as well. Shows should reflect life. And should reflect their surroundings. And in New York, there are, it is a melting pot of cultures and representation. And they should have it reflect that. Um, the new Sex in the City is coming back and is finally and is finally updating itself to actually reflect that. Yeah, women actually have friends that are other than the four white women. They're, the new show is coming back and is representing its times. The show is set in, I'm assuming, unless it's set in the 80s or something like that. Then you can represent New York as it is right now fine there is a, a minority descent housekeeper what makes the role interesting and what makes it empowering for that for that actor it really sounds like they just wanted some comedic relief like uh, i think his family guy had that character every or no it was um the simpsons the simpsons have the uh the bumblebee mm-hmm. man yeah, Dios mio yeah they, they it sounds like they really just wanted that kind of character yeah and that is a it's just not there anymore and it shouldn't be there anymore um yeah Let's go to something better.
some better topics. Speaking of representation and how it, it matters and it's empowering, this week we're going to be reviewing Shang-Chi. That was supposed to be our review topic for last week, but again, life kind of got in the way, so it gave us a little bit more time to get to uh, get not get together, but get our schedules together and watch the movie and do it do it right. We're trying to fix our format here for reviews because our our Dune review, as much as I enjoy it, I did feel like it was a little bit of rambling and it was kind of back and forth all over the place. So we're going to try and break our reviews down more into non-spoiler discussions of what we liked, what we didn't like, and then we'll get into spoiler discussions and we'll call it a day from there. Shang-Chi is the 24th movie in the MCU? 23rd? Something like that. There's been so many. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say it's the 23rd, but uh, I've, again, I'm, my math, my head math isn't going real well for me right now. It's the second movie in Phase 4, and it's the first MCU movie to feature an Asian lead. We've had Asian characters before, but they were mostly background, and they were mostly there to appease the Chinese audiences. But now we have a character who in the comics was kind of Marvel's homage to Bruce Lee. In the lead role as Shang-Chi is Simu Liu, who... I think just blows it out of the water. So starting with what we liked, I liked Simu Liu. He was fantastic in this role. He wasn't quippy like a lot of Marvel characters have become. He was very kind of straightforward. He was kind of the the straight man in the relationship between him and Aquafina's Katie. But Katie also, uh, one thing I really liked was Katie was not overdone. Uh, with Aquafina, there is the opportunity to overdo it with the comedy just because she is so funny. But she was a really good counterpart to Shang-Chi in, in her character because she's obviously the one that needs to be explained what the heck is going on, who Shang-Chi really is. And she does a really good job of doing that. She surprised me. The movie, as it was beginning to roll, I was really worried that we were going to have a situation where her character was going to be, I'm going to be the quippy one who's done 15,000 takes and we leave like six lines in per scene of my best take of my best one-liners. I should have been, I should have not had reservations because of how well she did in Jumanji, the next level that she was so well done in that. And that she showed the emotional range, the ability to impersonate and house that character. And then I actually felt real depth and empathy of her being like, I don't have, I don't have a Chinese name. I'm, I'm, I'm Katie. This is who I am. And then the way that she, and the way that they didn't make her the romantic interest, it was, we've been friends for, we've been friends for like 12 years. We hang out, we chill. We're kind of just coasting through life. I love that as well, that they made the decision to not, there is a woman, therefore she is the romantic lead and automatically a sex object. Exactly. So she actually, I, I, while I enjoyed uh, Shang-Chi's journey, I more enjoyed her journey. There was part towards the end where she has this opportunity to learn to learn a skill and i was actually so excited <laughs> it's like yes the skill is not going to be i bumble around the battlefield and i trip myself into doing something good it's like no i have a skill i'm learning it yeah she doesn't become jar jar or anything like that uh the other one of the other things i like is this is just this there, there's two other things and there's stupid high points i have no idea but i keep thinking about them the first real action sequence is, is the action sequence we saw in the trailer a thousand times, which is the bus fight. And it goes on for like, I gotta say, maybe like 10 minutes. But there is a character on the bus that is live streaming the fight that is happening and providing commentary. And it is such 
a statement to what kind of society we live in now that stuff like that literally does happen. But the commentary is so funny. <laughs> that That's actually a weird gray area for me because the lines were funny, especially when the guy starts streaming, which actually, um, if you didn't know, I believe that's the do a flip guy from Spider-Man really? Homecoming. I believe oh, so. I haven't verified it yet, but I'm 90% sure. Oh my gosh, you're actually right. <laughs> it is them. But I felt like the it it does kind of do that Marvel thing where they don't just let the moment breathe or they don't let the action just kind of go through its thing. Again, Shang-Chi is supposed to be like a Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan kind of martial arts character. And what better way to homage those characters in a movie than to have these long rolling takes of awesome kung fu martial arts action. And Marvel does this thing where they get a really cool sequence and then they cut to the guy. And then they do a cool sequence and they cut to the guy. And it, it, it wasn't overdone at all, but I feel like those moments weren't needed. I, I, I'm more uh, accepting of that because for once in a Marvel movie, we actually got to see three to four seconds of action without a quick cut that I was just like, that I was like, wow, this is impressive. I can actually tell who's throwing the punch. Yeah. the I mean, the entire bus sequence was fantastic. Yeah. Even though we've seen a fair chunk of it in the trailers, seeing it in its entirety was amazing. My wife, my wife looked over at me after the sequence was done and she's like, I'm sweating. She was so invested in what was happening and the, the action was so well done. Um, the other thing that I really enjoyed from the movie, again, this is not a spoiler. We all know that abomination is in it because they showed him like four times in the, in the different trailers, but that woo street fights wong sorry wong sorry my apologies. yeah wong he street fights with the with abomination for fun <laughs> so this is going to go uh, i want to come back to that in, t- in spoiler territory but i i do like the fact that the that whole sequence was essentially shown in the trailer like it's not that long it's just like a quick easter egg is, cameo yeah. it, mm-hmm. so the fact that people were getting upset that it was spoiled it doesn't matter because it, it it's really just there to to reaffirm to it's, it's to remind people that this is taking place in the Avengers universe, even though abomination looks like comic abomination now, instead of what he did in the incredible Hulk. Uh, but it, it's mostly just there to remind everyone of the larger universe, which does lead into my last point of what I really liked about this movie is that it is by far the best solo movie Marvel has done in five years, maybe four years since either since Doctor Strange or Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. It, it's a weird caveat, though, because Marvel has kind of graduated into every movie is now a team-up movie that's not an origin movie. So it, you can't really say, like, oh, Captain America Civil War is the, was really good, or, uh, I mean, Guardians Volume 2 technically wasn't a team-up movie. They were still out there, but in my opinion, Guardians 2 sucks. Sorry, take of it what you will. It does. Uh, and again, like Black Widow was solid. I thought Black Widow was pretty good. I don't I don't think it was as good as Shang-Chi, but I think Black Widow also suffered from coming out four years after its time frame. So who really knows how good it would have been had it released after Civil War? This movie really stands well on its own. It does. It It made me excited to actually see where this goes from here. And we'll get into it in spoilers, but the end battle was not same versus same which was also very pleasing. It wh- Whoever decided, you know, however they de- determine the uh, the directors and writers and the, and the costume designers and everything, they actually had passion for this 
and went, how do we make this movie comic accurate by also being representatively appreciative instead of some of the, a lot of the unfortunate things that if you look at Marvel comics in the 60s and 70s and 80s, I mean, we got probably even now, I haven't looked, read a comic in a while. They actually have reverence to make you enjoy what you're seeing. Well, that was one of the things that I really appreciated with what they've done with Shang-Chi is, again, it's not a spoiler to say that in the comics, Shang-Chi's father is mostly just the leader of an assassin uh, crew, kind of like Rachel Ghul is. But in this, they change his origin to be the son of who is called the Mandarin after the events of Iron Man 3. Uh, he's the leader of the Ten Rings. He, he has these magic gauntlets which is changed from the comics which for the better um not just like some random dragon rings that he found and gave him immortality uh but they they kind of added a, a extra layer to kind of right a wrong from iron man 3 and uh i i feel i to your point i, I do feel like marvel is taking those steps to kind of improve on certain representation issues like when i was watching this i just kept think i kept getting reminded about how they fixed sam wilson as well because he was uh, a rundown son of a pimp who didn't really fit into anywhere and then he got tricked by the red skull he got powers that allowed him to be able to talk to birds he got a super suit and then he just became captain america's best friend after a small tussle now he's an accomplished military veteran who was working as a therapist for kind of like a ptsd group of uh, military veterans as well and they they really gave sam depth for his character it wasn't just here's a black guy enjoy they they actually made him into a person which i mean sam has obviously become more of a character over the years he debuted in the the 70s so he's had 40 years to actually become a character but the movies initially from the get-go they were like this is the guy this is why you love him i mean i found reasons to be sympathetic and enjoy each character's point of view especially um his father who is the ultimate villain for this that I actually really appreciate as well is we haven't had a Marvel villain in a long time that has a point of view where you're almost feel pity versus, yeah, yep, they're the bad guy, hate him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much been since Killmonger in Black Panther. Yeah, Killmonger. But even he was like, I know you're wrong, but damn, I feel bad for you. Yeah. And, and again, Killmonger, yeah, like you said, it's it, it's the fact that he's not wrong in his point of view or in his opinion it's his methods to fix the issue that become the problem right it's kind of the same thing with uh shang chi's father which i'm forgetting his name right now um they only mentioned it once i think uh when they were talking about what is your given chinese name um mm -hmm. i think it's wen wu was that it i think that's what they said that sounds right in my head but i don't remember specifically so i'm gonna leave that guess out there and then just continue to call him Shang-Chi's father just to make sure I'm not upsetting anyone. Uh, yes, it is Wenwu. Okay. Zhu Wen, uh, Wenwu. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Zhu is their last name, or their family name. Right. So what did you not like about this movie? The only thing that I really disliked in terms of the movie itself was one of the teaser endings. The movie itself, I, I, there's nothing I really didn't dislike. In fact, they even went out of their way to in iron man 3 we've all seen it uh, trevor slattery is he's ben kingsley character is made to be the mandarin but of course is actually not the mandarin then whatever guy pierce says like i am the mandarin at the end and he's all, has all these like tribalistic tattoos that burn out of him like 
no, no, this is this is wrong. You guys did it wrong. They actually go out of their way to look at that wrong and call out how wrong they were in the middle of the movie. That was really good. With um the the father uh with his father saying they took you know they took he had this he has this entire scene where he talks about how derogatory it is to call a villain the Mandarin. <laughs> he even calls out the fact that they know of him but they didn't know his name, so they just went. Yeah. We're going to call him the Mandarin because we're we're unoriginal racist assholes that just want to terrorize the world. Yeah. And then they bring back. Uh, that might be spoilery. Re- that might be a little spoilery. Well, damn gonna, it. Okay. I'm going to cut that one fine. out. But... I, I, my two dislikes are fine. My two, my like and dislikes will have to be in spoiler. <laughs> okay. So. Because my dislike is the end credit scene. So you're going to cut it out and be like, hey, there's nothing I really disliked until we get to spoilers. Uh, so the, yeah, the only thing I did not like was, again, the commentary from do a flip guy in the fight scene on the bus. Other than that, I thought everything else in this movie was really well done. The action was really cool. They, they kind of homaged Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but they also, you know, made it their own. There, there's not a lot to dislike in this movie. It, it just is, it kind of falls into a little bit of the Marvel tropes, but it does a good enough job that it's it feels fresh. Or maybe it's the fact that we haven't really had a, a strong movie like this in almost two years because of certain world events that are happening across everyone's lives. No, no, that doesn't exist. We shall all be we shall all be in the movie theaters packed <laughs> next to each other for three hours. Mm-hmm, for a th- nearly three hour long. Well, it'll be an over three long three hour long experience with spider-man uh if you include trailers and commercials and everything that goes into that so all right uh we'll head into spoiler territory then i guess uh so from here on out spoiler warning you've been warned don't come at us if you decided that you hadn't seen this movie and you wanted to get this far in the podcast and hear everything so spoilers the big fight happens in a mystical pocket dimension called talo and we get to see some awesome creatures. That was so good. So backtracking a little bit, Trevor Slattery is still alive. He's being kept alive in a uh, Ben Stiller in Tropic Thunder kind of way, where he mm-hmm. he's kind of a jester and he puts on shows every night for everyone because he's such an amazing actor. Again, he I does apologize. his Hamlet like twice a, twice a week. <laughs> I apologize again if you hear my dog barking. The the UPS guy just showed up, so she's waiting for her treat from the the UPS person. Uh, he he does shows and the uh, if you had seen uh, All Hail the King the Marvel one off from um, uh, what would it have been Civil War I think it's yeah I think it was included in Civil War I know you, it's on Disney Plus now they have all the you know like the five shorts they filmed on Disney yeah Plus. so uh, the All Hail the King one shot pays off a little bit because Trevor is still alive and they were going to kill him. And then he just started doing Hamlet and they're like, Oh my God, this guy's awesome. I like how they, they kind of, I understand the idea that, Oh, he represented me as this. So therefore he should die because he was mocking me. But at the same time, Trevor was, you know, high off his ass, uh, loaded up on drugs. He didn't know what he was doing. So he, they kind of took, pity on him in a way and they let him live in their compound and let him do what he loves uh but that's not really the shocking part the shocking part is he has this really horribly adorable turkey dog i really don't know how to explain morris um morris is it's a plushie (laughs) that has feathery wings but has no head and makes cute sounds somehow (laughs) <laughs> yes exactly and all i know is i want one 
Morris may be the new baby Yoda. Yeah, somehow he's the, the that is a little, you know, like nah, like how does It's because he's pudgy. Yeah, well, no. How does the leader of the Ten Rings not know that there's this fantastical creature named Morris that hangs out with Trevor? <laughs> <laughs> I'm forgiving that because it's adorable, and apparently only he can, can communicate with Morris telepathically or something, because they then used Morris to get through the bamboo forest with very ex- specific instructions of left now, <laughs> right now. They get there, and Trevor is another character that could very easily overdo it with the comedy. Uh, ben Kingsley is just fantastic at everything he does. You already have that built-in cringe from Iron Man three with his with his role where he's he's kind of like Ed from Good Burger, where he just gets distracted by everything. So he's sitting there having a normal conversation, then out of nowhere he's like, "Oh, there's a goal! Oh, oh I'm falling asleep now." He he just yeah. is out all over the place. But they did a really good job of cleaning him up and allowing him to still be funny. But they didn't let it interfere with the flow of the movie. It all fit and blended really well. They somehow found a way not only to redeem the issues with the Mandalorian, uh, the Mandarin name, but also the just the gut punch that a lot of fans felt in Iron Man 3, where it turned out like, oh, no, he's not really the Mandarin. He's just a random actor. And Guy Pierce is somehow the Mandarin because his energy firepowers can give him all kinds of Chinese Asian style tattoo work when he charges up. It's like, what? Wh- whoever approved that? Eh? But they fixed it. That's actually something I love is that they fixed Trevor Slattery's character. Yes, he was a stereotype that they stole. And the and um, Shang-Chi's father points that out in a wonderful speech. But then also they actually give him a useful, a useful arc of his own. Trevor Slattery, a useful arc that actually works for the character, works for the character, but also works for the movie. And I actually, I really love that. The, the further it went on, I'm like, I'm like, man, I almost feel bad for crapping on Iron Man three for 11 years now. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost, almost <laughs> kind of like what they're trying to do with Thor, the dark world by making it a way more important movie than it actually was. That movie sucked. <laughs> they can't redeem that. No, but somehow they're trying. No. <laughs> One thing that I will say that, struck me as more of a convenience thing was in the final fight when Shang-Chi gets the the rings from his father after his father dies. I looked at his costume and it's like, oh, it's really impressive that this costume that his mom made for him 12, 14, 15 years ago was cut off at the, the elbow at a, as a three quarter sleeve kind of thing, just in case he got those rings off his dad. <laughs> That's funny. So there, there is a secondary villain as well. It's the, the what is it, the the death in the darkness or something like that. It's it's a soul eater. Uh, it's a, a big the dweller in the dark. Dweller in the dark. Thank you. It it is a soul eater. It has little thralls that it shoots out that will bring it souls. And as it eats more souls, it gets more powerful. But it really, it's just an awesome looking dragon. Oh yeah, the the uh, the great protector is an amazing looking dragon. I loved. The, that was residing within that lake to, I guess, fight the Dweller in the Darkness if it ever showed up. And I'm assuming that's where they got the dragon scale armor and weapons from? Yes, it seems like the, the protector, uh, that the dragon that lives in the water, is kind of like shedding its scales every now and then, and it, it gifts it to the, the villagers of Talo. Okay. That, that's my in- inference anyway. 
Yeah, I the movement of that, the way it kind of moved, like the um, like we've seen in um, other um, other Asian movies with the, that style of dragon, the way it moved in the air and the water was just gorgeous. It moved. Um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of of Mulan with the way that they had the intimidating kind of um, at the end of the the cartoon where all the Huns were hiding in the, the paper mache dragon and the way it was just kind of sinisterly swaying and moving in the background when you're like, there's, this is about to be bad. <laughs> Remind me of that a lot. The, the, the design was really good. And again, this movie as a credit to the team that put this movie together and the, the love and care they took for the, the culture that goes into this movie, it could have taken a really bad turn with audiences. If you go into this alternate pocket dimension where mystical lions and headless demon puppy turkeys live that are chonky as all get out and these weird horse dragons and dwellers in the dark and regular dragons like there's a lot of stuff that could have just completely people have people check out and to the movie's credit it does enough to kind of get you ready for it, especially with that tease of Morris where you're like, Oh, there's other things like Morris here. And then they just kind of blast you with all these crazy mystical creatures. Uh, it, it could have gone really poorly for, for the movie, but I think they do a really good job of blending that mystical village with the, the grittiness of the, the regular Marvel world. When it came out, I was a little like, really, this is like an, on Rotten Tomatoes and other websites, this is like a 92%, 8 out of 10 movie. And having actually watched it, yeah, it deserved it. They they carried it beginning to end with their confidence in what they wanted to do and their design and direction and casting. The Talo thing actually had been spoiled for me in a TV spot. I saw uh, one of the spots where one of the lions is running and jumping. And I remember thinking, like, what the hell is happening? It looks like they're doing something from Black Panther, but these are weird-looking creatures, not armored up rhinos so what the hell is happening here and again the movie just does a really good job of getting you ready for it especially when we're introduced to shang chi's mother uh, the first time where she's doing all the crouching tiger hidden dragon stuff and she says the dragon protector lets us use this magic and the minute they get away from talo they don't have the ability to access that magic that was actually a sequence when i realized i had really just bought in with what they wanted to do because I love I love watching Asian martial arts flicks because of the wire work and the beauty of the the tracking shots and how they show martial arts as these like beautiful romantic things. That sequence between um, the two of them, where you realize like midway through, oh yeah, they're falling in love, they're gonna have babies. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I'm like, yeah, I, I really I'm invested. It was beautiful. It, the the colors, the choreography, everything in that sequence was just fantastic. And that's another thing that really works to this movie's credit is the the color palette. The regular Marvel world is still kind of that toned down gray, but once we get into Talo, it it pops a little bit more. It just it has more vibrancy, and it's it's just beautiful. It's a fantastic movie, and based on our rating system of must see and pass, it's definitely a must see. Definitely a must see. Now, if I were to have any reservation, it is a very, very small one. 
the two end credit scenes are so stupid. I outside of I, I've been thinking about it, so I'll I'll let you do your thing. I know we've talked about this. I'll let you do your thing, and then I'll kind of give my perspective on it after a few days of after watching it. Well, the second one, which is right towards the end credits, which is I don't believe either of us have a controversy with, is the sudden but inevitable betrayal of the, his sister taking over the ten rings and she's now the new leader and she even does like the um it's like a it's a trope you know the whole like the evil slouch you you have the throne therefore you slouch evilly <laughs> yeah as, as you bask <laughs> in your glory um that's fine i you know it's kind of like expected that when you abandon your 10-ish year old sister to stay with the father who, is neg- who ignores and neglects her, and when you run into her again, she has an underground fight ring that she somehow roped Abomination and Wong into that is like kind of looks like it's some uh, half the fights are to the death. It seems like it's to a knock. It seems like it's just to a knockout. There's no killing, I think, in that in her fighting ring. Yeah, but when they walk by that, like the, those plexiglass cubes, not the main one, but the plexiglass cubes, and like someone's getting thrown head first into it, <laughs> someone's dead. Fair, fair enough. Maybe, maybe the smaller fights are to the death. I don't know. Yeah. So that that's fine. I actually was just like, okay, cool, because I really, really, I respected, I respected that there was no middle of the movie kind of like oh yeah okay i totally forgive you we're all friends again and then the sudden turn to betrayal it's mostly like listen we're in this together because dad went nuts the first one is a longer sequence the end of the 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 movie ends with wong showing up to pick up shang chi and katie and be like hey listen we have some things to talk about and then they cut to later on in the credits where he is there with Bruce Banner is a human, but his arm's in a sling, so it's post-Endgame. Uh, and Captain Marvel. And they're basically t- saying that the rings are some metal we've never heard of before, and they pulse really weirdly. And it's maybe it's a beacon, and something may be coming. That's fine. The part that irks me is, out of nowhere, Captain Marvel goes, yeah, this is great and all, but I gotta go. And, she, and she's like, call me, you have my number, and she takes off. And then Bruce goes, we actually don't have her number, she just does that a lot. It's a bad joke. And it's Marvel trying to, in my opinion, adjust that. Like some people think that Captain Marvel is not humorous, not funny, and she should smile more. Whatever, that's fine. You're you're an idiot, but that's your opinion. To me, it's just a bad joke that is Marvel trying to kind of be like, listen, we know people don't like her, so we're going to kind of give a funny response to her fleeing, but it's just a bad joke. And that was just like, that's just not funny. That continues to make her look like a jerk. Call me. We don't have her number. She just leaves. They're trying to make light of it, and it didn't work in my opinion. If they had cut off that five seconds of like everybody just like, ooh, something's coming, it would have been fine. But to end with a deadpan wah, wah, joke is that just ticked me off. That's like, not the end of the cut of the scene though. It ends in the karaoke bar with Wong, Katie, and Shang Chi. Oh gosh, that's right. That's actually not. Wait, isn't that? The... No, that's not in the movie. The movie ends with them walking through the portal. And then, so I'll get, I'll get into that part in a second. So I think with the Captain Marvel thing, the you've got my number thing that she's talking about is her pager. And Bruce, Bruce doesn't know about the pager because he was off world at that point. So I think, I think it's, it's, it is supposed to kind of play as Carol being kind of not whimsical, but like kind of just dismissive. Like I got to go. Something important came up. You got my number. The number being the pager. Okay. I don't know if that's true. That's just me speculating. But having a couple of days to think about it, I think that's what she's referring to. Granted, they've okay, been doing video makes... calls for mm. six, seven years now. So I don't 
I don't know yeah. how they don't have her number. Because there's the video call in Endgame where they're like trying to control the world, and then she's like, "Listen, I gotta go because you know I'm guarding the entire universe. You dudes are literally just protecting Earth." <laughs> exactly. So I I think that's yeah. kind of what she's referring to, and I think it's supposed to be more Bruce not knowing about the pager. I don't know. Again, that's that's just me doing a fan theory. Okay. Yeah, I just I really hated that because yeah, you're right. They do. I had I had I had flipped that. I had flipped that the movie ended with them in the karaoke bar. Nope. I mean, I saw it. <laughs> okay. So yeah, it, it ends with Captain Marvel shuffling off, Bruce kind of going away, which we're left with the question of why is Bruce a human? Why isn't he Hulk? Which I think it's going to be that scene is actually post She-Hulk. And he, after the blood mm. transfusion, uh, something happens where he can't control the transformations or maybe it's slowly diminishing for him. It doesn't necessarily make sense because now that I'm thinking about it, he's also Hulk when he's doing the training sequence with Jennifer in the She-Hulk trailer. Yeah, so I don't know. That's just me guessworking. We'll figure we'll we'll get an answer at some point, I'm sure. But that last joke is really good. And it's a nice callback where even Wong gets in on it, where uh, early on in the movie, they're like, oh, it's 10 o'clock. We got a shift tomorrow. We should definitely be responsible and go home and go to bed or and then they end up at a karaoke bar by themselves all night. And so they just got this crazy earth shattering news that they're it's essentially like a Nick Fury moment where he sh- they show up and they're be- told they're part of a-, a larger universe now, and they're just like, cool, 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 cool. So we and party. <laughs> <laughs> we should we should definitely uh, sleep on this and contemplate what this means for us, or we could get wasted and sing some karaoke. And Wong joins in on the karaoke, which is it was a great joke. I I busted out laughing in that moment. Oh, I did too. I just. This movie makes me wonder what Wong does with all his free time. <laughs> I mean, he obviously does a lot of reading and research because even he if he even he doesn't know what those 10 rings are, that that tells you something right there cuz they're he says they're not magical or there's like there's nothing about it in their codex at Karmataj. Yeah, which means it must be like 10 older than 10,000 years or something like that. Exactly. And yeah. I I think they might be teasing the dragons that Fin, Fa- the dragon race that Fin Fang Foom is a part of, mm. but it also doesn't make sense. But again, it it's all conjecture and it's all speculation because we don't know what else is out there in the universe. So who knows? Yeah, it might it might tie in a little bit more to um, what if with um, Doctor Strange filing what is it Cthung Cthune or the tentacle beast that he fought like twice. Yeah, like, I I can't remember yeah. that the name of that either. But he yeah, that, it's like Kuthon like or something like that. Yeah, he's yeah. it's speculation is accurate. Uh, that tentacle monster is actually the Sorcerer Supreme from a different dimension. Huh. But I I think it's either leading into Fin Fang Foom, which I'm sure they will rename because again that's kind of a problematic name, or massively problematic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I, I think, think the direct. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I think with the the protector, I think that was them kind of, no pun intended, testing the waters to see how people would react to dragons in the in the the primary MCU. Aha. Yeah, I think there was a, I read a quote by the director saying like, no, this is the great protector and we will never use that name of the Fing Fang Foom. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that one wasn't Fin Fang Foom. Right. It just, the, the, the character design looks a lot like it. 
yeah um, in terms of the face and some of the body build yeah but fin fang foom wears like a purple speedo and he's got arms and legs where this one is it was strictly just kind of like serpentine wasn't it yeah it's, it's very um stylized as an asian style dragon the whole doesn't have wings has you know um uh, has like four four legs with claws and flies by undulate uh, undulating its body which that was that was beautiful to see mm-hmm. just that they're like oh my gosh this is actually legit flying dragon <laughs> yeah it, it reminded me obviously a lot of the the chinese influenced dragons but uh, like more recently it reminded me a lot of the uh, breath of the wild dragons and how they moved and mm-hmm. which obviously is influenced by those as well I didn't have really any complaints other than I just that joke was just so, so just landed dead for me that I'm like, eh. I think that was really the only joke that kind of even though like it, I don't I wouldn't say it landed flat for me, but it definitely was probably the worst joke in the entire movie, which I, I could also see that being Mark Ruffalo just kind of riffing and then being like, oh, yeah, that, that works. They obviously are building towards the new Avengers now, for sure. A new Avengers or young Avengers, or maybe they'll do yeah. both. Who knows? Like, because obviously Sam isn't going to fit in the young Avengers, so maybe maybe Shang Chi and Sam and Bucky and Yelena and someone else, uh, Wanda. Well, Wanda might be a bad guy at some point in all. Wanda's going to be a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doctor Strange, if he survives his next couple adventures. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, they're, they're obviously building towards a young Avengers and a new Avengers. And it, it, it's going to be fun to see how they, they balance all that out. So that's kind of it for me, unless you got any other comments, concerns, questions. No, stream it a dozen times. It's really good. Really quickly, the the IMAX enhanced was actually really cool. I like that a lot. It filled up my TV so nicely and it, it just it looked pretty. I hate that that's a separate option. You have to like find is it when i selected just to watch it it immediately played the theatrical version it wasn't like towards the end that at the bottom had like a little rolodex that's like our imax enhanced versions and listed like the 10 movies they have for it huh. strange okay mm-hmm. all yeah, right i will next time look for that yeah definitely check out the imax enhanced like it, it you wouldn't think it would make a big difference but again it, with with most widescreen tvs you're gonna get those those black bars at the top and bottom and it just, to me, it's a much more aesthetically pleasing look to have that IMAX enhanced where it's just filling up the entire screen. The time that I realized that the IMAX enhanced viewing is amazing would be The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, which has like five or six action sequences. So as you're watching the movie, at least on the Blu-ray, like the beginning portion is all full screen with, you know, the emergence of the Joker. And then it goes like, you know, the widescreen and then the next action sequence like refills out. The enhanced version is definitely the version to watch. All right. So with that, uh, Alex, you still have no real social media presence other than helping with the Facebook and Twitter page, right? Yep. Okay. If it's snarky anime news, it's probably me posting it. Did you ever get a chance to check out that podcast I recommended? The uh, Do Sleeping Dragons Dream of Burning Sheep or something like that? Yeah. I I listened to the first one. I'll probably listen to the second one. It's it's on my back rotation. <laughs> All right. Well, shout out to those guys too. I, I'm not a big D and D person, but I know Alex and Beppo are, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it sounded like a really interesting concept that maybe they would enjoy. So I, I put it out there for them too. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening. And we kept this one actually pretty short. This should be under an hour by the time editing is done. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter on Twitter at Josh underscore scar scar spelled S K double A R. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at talking smack pod. You can find us on Facebook. We have a YouTube channel that we don't really use. 
we are talking about maybe doing a Kickstarter to fund a, a really cool animation project that I really want to do. But I gotta, nice. I gotta figure some stuff out and get in contact with some animators to figure out how much that's gonna cost. Uh, you can email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com. And we really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Please subscribe, like, review, comment, subscribe, whatever platform you're listening to. If there's a review option, please give it to it. Please leave a, a review. We have one five star and one one star. So we're right in the middle of average. Perfect. <laughs> At least on Apple. Uh, we're on good pods. We uh, we participate in the pod nation stuff. We're trying to get ourselves out there uh, uh, as a social media presence. And we appreciate, again, all the podcasts we shouted out earlier. And we appreciate some of the collaborations we've been able to work out. But at the end of the day, it's mostly about people listening. And if you're listening, we appreciate you taking the time. And it means a lot to us. So thank you. And please let us know in, in the comments, reviews, how you feel about what we're doing, what you think works, what you think doesn't work, because we can't fix anything without that feedback. So again, we appreciate you and you have yourselves a great time. And oh, the and, exit music. And cue the, the theme ex- music. Yes. Yes. <laughs> now, I, I went out on a limb here. I did get us Adele to remix our end music. It's um, you can actually hear it right now as it's as it starts speaking uh, coming over my voice. Or if you stream her new album, it's a hidden track, track fourteen. <laughs> Take care, everybody.